Chuckabuddy. Jonathan James Ramcharan reporting live for duty on this magnificent July 23rd in the year of our Lord 2019. Welcome to Jonathan Ramcharan the podcast. Get your shoe shined up, boy. Ooh, I'm gonna run you ragged, boy. Gonna make you sweat, gonna make you earn it today, boy. Boy. I'm late. Fucking late again. Um, <laughs> partially because I've been depressed. <laughs> it's kind of funny when I get depressed, actually. Sorry to anybody who's clinically depressed out there. <laughs> but it's actually kind of funny when I get dep- depressed. Because it's just like, you just get sick of like, it's like, I'd rather just lay around and do nothing than deal with anybody and everything. Like, it's just kind of funny. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'm just sick of everything today. I just like lay in bed. <laughs> I just like, I don't know. It's like, it's just so untasteful. You know what I mean? Like, just tasteless. I'm just like, I could go out and I could be involved in life or I could just lay around and do nothing. Hmm, fuck everything. <laughs> I just lay around and do nothing. It lasts for a couple days and then I just kind of get back up on the horse. You know what I mean? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. You want to bitch me out for being late with the podcast? Let me know. If you're one of those diehards out there who give a fuck if this thing's on time, let me know. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. I'm going to be talking a little bit about my depression. Nothing serious, never really is. Um, I don't even really like using that word. I mean, there's some people in life who use that word because people give a shit about them. (laughs) That's another thing I'm going to be talking about on this episode, like the entitlement of one who cares. You know, it's like, I have the entitlement that people care about what I say and do and feel. What do you mean you don't think about me 24-7? Well, there's people like me out there where I've slipped through the cracks in life, basically. They are, it's more normal than unnormal that there are people like me that have truly slipped through the cracks, so to speak. Like, I'm pretty much the one in my corner, you know? There ain't nobody to go crying to when shit goes wrong, right? So, um... There are millions, billions probably. I wouldn't be surprised if there were billions. Yeah, at least, what is there, 7 billion people on the planet, right? So there's at least 3.5 billion people like me who have like slipped through the cracks and it's just like, yo, you're on your own. Nobody cares. Your complaints and your problems are your own. Fucking deal with them. So if you're new to the podcast, Jonathan Ramtra on the podcast, I am an actor extraordinaire. Uh, 18 years of service, diploma in theater arts. I fucking hate it. <laughs> I fucking hate acting. Um, I love it. I love it to death. Um, it's not an ego thing. It never really was for me. It was just, you know, getting up on that stage, cracking some jokes, walking around, showing my balls, and feeling good. And um, it goes down to the quintessential factor of all art which is really storytelling. You're telling a story. 
like when the first cavemen and women took a shit and took a twig and rubbed rubbed their shit on a twig and then drew a picture on a cave wall. They, like they draw a fucking picture of like a rabbit or whatever on a fucking cave wall and then smear some berries on it. Like, you know, like it's all storytelling. So that's just what acting is, right? It's a extended form of storytelling. It's a heightened form of storytelling. And when done well, it is fucking engaging, intriguing, endearing, um, thought-provoking, emotion-inducing, sexual, um, erotic, humorous, um, suspenseful, terrifying, um, whimsical, you know, euphoric, fanciful, all these adjectives. And uh, that's a describing word, right? Adjective. Yeah, it's all these little things. So that's why you do it, in my opinion. Not to be cute, to put your fucking hair up in a man bun and sit cross-legged on a fucking television interview and, oh, yes, well, the process of acting is really, um, it's, well, um, well, when I was shooting the film in Italy last summer, it was a chance for me to really look into myself and find out what really makes me tick as a human being? Because, you know, oh, I'm always racked with the pain and the pressures of who I am. And there ain't nothing fucking interesting about me in particular. Like I mentioned, I'm one of those 3.5 billion fucking idiots that no one gives a shit about. <laughs> the only thing is, you know, I care about storytelling, right? I'm not that cute to sit cross-legged and expound upon the things that drive me from here to there and blah 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 and inner emotional turmoil of the actor and blah 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 like who gives a fuck boring just tell a good story I am also a uh, janitor yep mopping up floors cleaning up piss stains scrubbing toilets urinals lately I've been doing a lot of window washing So yeah, I've been washing windows like a motherfucker lately, and my fucking gams are killing me. Oh my fucking god, my gams are fucking mince meat, bending, squatting, reaching. You know? Fuck my gams, my glutes, my buttocks, my fucking toes. Like, I'm telling you, I am fucking minced meat. My fucking gams are aching. And, um, in conjunction, conjunction, what's your function? In conjunction with what I've been saying, um, in regards to, um, you know, minor emotional setbacks, feelings of unease, boredom, you know, which all fall under depression, you know? You know, some people get depressed and they need to go to a doctor and they got to take pills and they got to talk to somebody and their wife needs to know about it and their friends and their family. What's wrong with me? Well, sometimes maybe you're just not doing what you want in your life. So then you get a little bit pissy. Could it just be that? 
So a part of what was going on with me this past week was, yeah, a couple things weren't really going my way, feeling kind of pissy, feeling not, feeling like I didn't want to deal with it. So I just kind of took the easy road. I laid low. You know, I didn't, I didn't bust my balls too hard about doing anything. I just kind of laid around, you know, puttered around, got a little bit of exercise, got outside, you know, but I didn't really put my efforts into anything in particularly, into anything particular this past week. And part of it was, too, the reason why I was feeling a little down was um, I was getting bothered a lot as a janitor at work. Sometimes people just come at you with nonsense. You know what I mean? They just want to at you for their own fucking reasons. You know what I mean? And um, this is actually part of why the podcast is late, too, this week. Because um, I was recording this podcast, actually, on Sunday night. And it was just coming across really negative and angry and bitter. (laughs) And I was just like, yo, I don't want to put that out. It's just not really the standard I want, you know. Because part of what I'm trying to do is focus my attention, you know. I only I only want to focus my attention on positive production, th- positive and productive things. You know what I mean? I don't want to be going too far down a negative Nelly route. You know what I mean? There's a certain amount of negativity in life that you have to address, you have to acknowledge, you have to deal with. And then, then it comes to a point that anything beyond that, it's just... An anchor, an anchor to weigh you down. Just negative energy, negative bullshit that you don't necessarily need to uh, focus on. You don't necessarily need to focus your attention on this bullshit, right? So I was getting some of that last week at work as a janitor, washing windows. Something as meaningless and seamless as washing a window. You would think nobody would give a fuck about a man washing a window. Hey, look, that guy's washing a window. Hmm. That's what my mind would say if I saw somebody washing a window. Hey, look, a guy washing a window. Hmm. Oh, well, back to, um, you know, my life. Back to things that are important. Back to things that are of meaning, you know. Back to things of no meaning. I'd rather think about nothing than think about a guy washing a window. Okay, you got two options. You're going to either think about a window washer or you're going to think about nothing. Um, I'll take nothing. These fucking idiots. What? Look at that guy. He's washing a window. Hey, excuse me. Yeah, I, I couldn't help but notice. Oh, you're washing the windows. Um, Yeah, you know, the windows haven't been washed here in, like, years. Hey, what a coincidence. I haven't even worked here for a year. Oh, well, um, you know, you're washing the window, and um, uh, uh, can you wash the window over here, and can you wash the window over there, and blah, 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 blah. blah. Are you my boss? Do I know you? Are you my mother? What, what the fuck are you coming at me with this grocery list of bullshit you want me to do? Fuck off and die. Get the fuck up out my face. I'm a fucking lowly window washer. Stop fucking with me. You're making me depressed. You're making me fucking hate this fucking job. <laughs> You're mean. <laughs> this one douchebag, right? He was riding my ass, right? Um... He sees me washing the window and he goes, oh, by the way, um, can you come and wash my office window when you're done? I'm like, uh, yeah, obviously, like when I'm ready. 
like I'm in the middle of washing this window. I'll get to your office when I get to it. He goes, oh, okay, yeah, okay. So then finally I go around to his window and I'm washing his window, right? He pokes his fucking head out of his, out of his office, pokes his fucking head out of his office and goes, um, oh yeah, make sure to get inside the office too. I go, of course, we have to see your beautiful face, don't we? cute little chick in the corner, right? One of his co-workers, she overheard. <laughs> so I get a laugh, right? Of course, you know, we have to see your beautiful face. And he backpedals, right? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Trying to boss me around, trying to fuss me about, fuss and muss over, like, when and how I wash a window. Giving me these orders for no fucking reason, just to lord over me. And yeah, the reason why it was funny what I said, of course, we have to see your beautiful face, is because he's not beautiful. He's actually quite an ugly man, you know? Fucking bulbous face, graying hair, chubby, fucking pants tucked in, pot belly, five foot six, fucking scroungy, fucking pissy looking face. You're obviously not a beautiful man, sir, and uh, yeah... I'm going to take it there if I have to take it there because you've been annoying to me so far. So I get a little bit of a laugh and I insulted him. And, uh, <laughs> you know, a minor victory. <laughs> a minor victory in a life of pain. <laughs> a pain and turmoil, washing windows. And, uh, but hey, I'm very grateful to be a janitor. Um, it facilitates a few things in my life. Number one... It helps me cover my overhead, right? I'm like everybody else, like those 3.5 billion people on the planet. I got to pay my rent. I got to pay for groceries, food, clothing, X, Y, and Z. Um, And number two, idle hands are the devil's playground. (laughs) So when you're sitting around doing nothing, twiddling your thumbs, twiddly D. That's when the evilness, the boredom creeps in, right? That's when the depression seeps in. Oh, I'm so depressed. That's when you start doing stupid shit, you know? You start wondering, um, you know, what if I do this? What if I do that? And you get off of your focus. So being a janitor, like I said, helps me pay for my overhead, helps me keep focused, and helps me keep in the game of performing, Yes, because I'm an actor, as I mentioned. So I need expenses. I have expenses, you know. Um, Perhaps I want to further my education. Perhaps I want to take a course, a class. Perhaps I want to take um, a gym membership. Perhaps I want to have a mixed martial arts class to keep myself, you know, flexible and, you know, being able to tell a story with my body, as I mentioned. Performing is all about telling a story. Painting a picture is all about telling a story. Making a musical song is all about telling a story. And the better you're able to move your body, the better you're able to tell a story. So that's why you got to keep physical, right? Gym membership. Maybe you want to take some mixed martial arts classes, something along those lines. Maybe you want to um, upgrade your your, uh, computer, video camera, microphone, things that help you create um, things as a performer. This podcast I'm speaking on, can you hear me now? You know, 
These are things that you got to pay for, right? So my little janitor hustle helps pay for that. And um, it's good for now, and if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. Hallelujah. I am also a alcoholic. Yes. Oh. Two years, eight months of sobriety. Yeah. If you need sobriety in your life, ladies and gentlemen, please go out and seek it. Do what you got to do. I joined a 12-step program. I took things day by day. After a while, those days added up. Here I am sitting before you. Two years, eight months sober. Um, I drank for 16 years. I drank from the ages of the age of 14 to 30. And um, I was a binge problem drinker from the start. From the start, I was just like, you know, I'd get just hammered and do stupid shit with my friends, throw rocks at cars, go to work drunk, go to school drunk, make an ass out of myself in front of friends and family, girlfriends, problem drinker, uh, get kicked out of bars, spend my whole paycheck, stupid shit like that. As shit progressed, it got worse and worse. The last three years of my drinking, I was drunk every single day. So imagine that. Imagine if you get drunk tonight, and then for the next three years, you're drunk every day. Insanity. Yeah, that's what I was doing, man. I was drunk every day for three years towards the end of my drinking. And, uh, you know, a typical week for me would be like, I was working like day labor, construction jobs and shit like that. Just petty, lousy, low down, shiftless, good for nothing, rotten, crummy, lousy, fucking. I was just like a day laborer getting a daily paycheck and I would just blow it all on booze. I'd wake up, hungover, and I'd have a cigarette. And I'd stumble into the shower. My eyes are red. Maybe I'll throw up. And get my clothes on and I go into work just half in the bag, you know. I've been drinking all night. I slept for like an hour, you know. So I'm pretty much drunk at work. Then I just kind of lumber through the day sweating. Then I'd have like an anxiety attack somewhere around like 9, 10 o'clock. I'd go into a full-on anxiety attack. I'd just be like... <sighs> I'd just like hyperventilating like... That was part of my problem towards the end of my drinking. I would just go into these anxiety attacks. So I just have like an anxiety attack at work. My brain would be going too quickly. <gasps> Finally, I'd calm down. Then I'd just sweat it out and bumble around for an hour, picking up garbage, sweeping up a floor, just stupid manual labor. Finally, somewhere around 2 o'clock, I would get off. Two, three o'clock in the afternoon. Then I go directly to the beer store, buy um, eight tall cans of beer, go home, get trashed, drinking beer, smoking weed, chain smoking cigarettes, listen to music, you know, rock tunes, hip hop, whatever. Same shit over and over. That's the pathetic thing. You're just in a fucking loop, Groundhog Day. You just put on the same albums over and over again because all you're trying to do is just numb yourself. You're just trying to numb out, block it all out, right? Block out the pain, the pain of existence. <laughs> Pass out sometime around 4 in the morning, wake up and do the whole fucking thing again the next day. 
And I would just do that Monday to Friday. Then when Friday would hit, boom, now I can really go off the rails. I'm getting fucking like, I don't know, whatever, 15 tall cans a day, whatever the fuck it was, right? I would up to like 15 tall cans a day, smoking weed on the weekends, right? Just getting blackout drunk at the liquor store at fucking nine in the morning. Standing outside the liquor store waiting for it to open. <laughs> you ever be standing out of ever be standing outside of a liquor store on Sunday morning? Birds are singing your name. Standing outside a fucking liquor store on fucking Sunday morning waiting for it to open? That's a fucking bullshit experience. Yeah, you're just standing there. When's this fucking thing gonna open? I gotta get drunk immediately. Sunday morning. And uh, through the grace of recovery, I am uh, no longer living that life. It's not even a thought for me anymore. I don't even think about it. You know what I mean? Like, I am far removed from that, and I never want to go back. Never. And um, I did it through um, a 12-step program. Um, It was the one that worked for me. Like, just the idea of being in a community of people trying to better themselves on a daily basis, taking accountability, and um, being open-minded to ideas and plans of action to better myself. And um, yeah, here I am today. Hallelujah. And last of all, I am a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Yes, 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 yes. Um, Ten years of experience, ups and downs, smiles and frowns. Um, Today is pretty exciting. Um, I host a show of my own, Our Righteous Mike. Now, that's a show I produce in many different incarnations, many different stages. I've produced this show for the last, um, let me see, since January, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August. So for like the last seven months, I've been producing this show, Our Righteous Mike, in downtown Toronto. It's It's been in various stages. At the moment, we are on hiatus. And today is pretty fun. Uh, After work as a janitor, I have a couple little um, appointments lined up. I call them appointments. I'm sure the people that I'm going to go see would call it an intrusion. (laughs) But I'm going to be going to check out a couple different locations for um, hosting my show, a new venue. So that's pretty exciting, getting the show back up and running. A stand-up comedy show that I produce here in Toronto. So... I'll be looking into that tonight. Um, I've been performing around town, doing shows. Um, I got to be honest with you, I'm not too excited. (laughs) But you know, that's life, man. You got to grind through it. I mean, I should just be grateful for getting on stage. And the answer is always keep writing, get on stage. Whenever I feel like shit about my comedy, which, um, (laughs) believe it or not, is... um, I don't feel like shit about it, but I'm like everybody. We always see a greener side, right? The grass always looks greener on the other side. We always want more. So sometimes when I'm feeling that way, I just got to remember, the answer is always keep writing, keep getting on stage. That's always the answer. 
when it comes to what I do. And I'm sure it's translatable to everybody else. Whatever you do, just it's the it's like the saying, keep your stick on the ice. You know? Keep a cock in your mouth. Keep a I don't know, keep keep the dog on the leash. You know, keep uh, one foot in front of the other. Just keep going. You know what I mean? Keep the baby fed. What? Just keep going. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what's going on with my comedy at the moment. Um, I'm getting on stage. I'm bored as fuck. <laughs> but um, that's just how it is. And um, this is the work effort that um, leads you on to greater things in life. When you just keep your head down and keep working at it. All right. So those are the things that sum me up at the moment. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor, janitor, alcoholic, stand-up comedian. So welcome to the show. Yeah, it's been kind of an exciting week of, um, see, I'm lying to you. <laughs> Sometimes your mind just kind of goes pause. At least, I, at least that's where my mind goes when I speak to an audience, you know. That's that's good. That's a good thing. At least when I'm lying, <laughs> it's to be positive. It's been exciting. Actually, no, it hasn't been. Like I mentioned, I've been depressed. <laughs> I've been depressed in bed, laying around, watching YouTube. Um, like I said, just trying to get my bearings back up, trying to get myself feeling better. And um, sometimes you just need that moment to deflate. And I wouldn't even know if I call it a depression because it's like, I have a high standard of, um, yeah, I have a high standard. Like, while, while it's weird for me to have standards. <laughs> As a recovering alcoholic, it's strange for me to have standards. I never had standards. My standard was get drunk every day and fuck everything. And, not, and then when I say that, I don't mean, like, uh, you know, women. I mean, like, I woke up screaming, fuck the world, like Pac said. You know what I mean? Like, fuck the world. Like, that's what I meant. You know, get drunk every day and fuck everything. I don't give a shit about anything. And um, that was like my MO for a long time. And it's kind of strange because today I have standards. Like, you know, I have a standard. I get up and I do shit. I don't take days for granted. And when I'm having a bad spot and I'm in a jam and I'm just kind of like not knowing what to do, I look at it as a wasted time. To just like, you know, like I find like if you're if you're spending your life sitting around watching YouTube, watching Netflix, like. Well, I mean, it's nice to relax and chill out and watch shows that you like. Right. But. Sorry, taking a sip of coffee there. It's it's a balance is what I'm trying to say. It's a balance. You know, like there's a difference between. Enjoying entertainment and losing yourself in the entertainment because of fear of being alive. The fear to just get out and do something, right? The fear to take a risk and be who you really are, you know? You know, people play Dungeons and Dragons and they play video games for hours on end. And they do all this stupid fantasy stuff in order to distract themselves from the reality of who they are and what they're dealing with. And um, I was going to plan to talk on this later in the episode, but it just kind of seems organically coming out here. So let's talk about it. Um, I want to talk about um, the idea of fantasy 
idealism, idealism, and reality. Fantasy, idealism, and reality. Because it got me thinking.、Um, As I mentioned, there was a couple things not going on right with what I was doing. Just a lot of things going on that I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy with the results. I wasn't happy with the fruits of my labor, and I didn't know what to do. So I laid back and I relaxed. I just chilled out this past week. You know, I did my little hobbies here and there, whatever. But I wasn't really focused. I kind of took a little mini vacation, like a stay home, like a mini vacation, where it's like I still went to work, I still did my commitments, but I was not really focused on anything. I just, you know, I would just watch YouTube videos,、uh, you know, play a little bass guitar, go for a walk, sit on a bench, read a book. Like I, I wasn't really doing anything in particular. And I was getting thinking to myself, well, what's going on? You know, you're you're a little bit depressed. You're feeling a little bit like, like for example, as I mentioned, there are people in this world that fall through the cracks. I'm one of those people, and it's tough when I fall down because there's no one to catch me. And that's not really a problem. It's just reality. There's there's, it's more normal than not. In life, you gotta do for yourself. You gotta swing for yourself. And the more you swing for yourself and do for yourself, the better chances are you're going to connect with something, and you're going to meet people that see you doing what you do, and reach out, reach out. Hey, that's a person I want to be affiliated with. Hey, I like the way that person works. I like what they're doing. Maybe I can get them with my organization. Maybe we can team up. So the more you do for yourself, the better. So it's not really a negative thing. It's just a reality. And it's hard. It's hard on the person that has to do it for themselves because there's nobody to guide you. You know, mommy and daddy, X, Y, and Z. Nobody's nobody's in my corner when shit goes wrong. It's just up to me to deal with. And、um, that's just how it is, and that's how it is for a lot of people. I'm getting thinking about it. I'm like, you know, and I'm frustrated. And I'm not really happy with what's going on. Blah blah blah. And then I was thinking about it. Well, the expectations. Maybe it's in my expectations. Maybe it's in my outlook. And I was thinking about it. Yeah. Because for a very long time, like as I mentioned, I'm an alcoholic. So for 16 years, I pretty much lived in a fantasy. The fantasy of the alcoholic, getting drunk every day, numbing out, checking out from life, avoiding, escaping, escaping、um, my life. Basically, you go into this fantasy world where you're drunk and you're everything you want to be, and all your dreams come true, and you can you can nullify all the bullshit, and you can. You can feel as if you are where you. You can fantasize about a greater life. That was part of it. The fantasy was for real. For me, it was definitely a big part of drinking. Was like you get drunk and nothing matters. And in your mind, you're right. You're the the artist. You're the this. You're the that. You're the man, basically, right? And 
the fantasy was well over by the time I quit drinking. I mean, even even when I think about drinking today, like most people, they want to be suave. You know, we want to be Superman. We want to be Superwoman. You know, and that was a big part of the drinking. You want to be 007. Oh, shaking, not stirred. Shake, uh, shaking, not stirred. Hey, I'm 007. Yes, Sean Connery, shaking, not stirred. You know, and yo, know, I was not that guy. Like there was a moment in time when you know I was, you know, I was that guy. I could have a few drinks, maybe talk to a couple girls, be kind of smooth, fun. You know, hang out with the boys, have a few drinks, whatever. I'm cool, I'm down, I'm whatever. And then it, it just kept on snowballing and snowballing to the point where when I fantasize about drinking, which is like rare, it's never in that vein. It's never in the vein of, oh, let me have a drink and go dance with a girl and hang out with the boys and shoot pool. That's over for me. My drinking is antisocial. My drinking is delusional like when I think about the reality of if I were to go have a drink it would be to like just get drunk by myself in a closet I would get like a fucking 12 pack of beer a little bit of marijuana pack of cigarettes and just go get drunk by myself in a fucking room lock myself in a room and get drunk by myself like that's the fantasy like that's the reality of the fantasy and Thank God I don't live there anymore, right? Thank God my mind's not in that place anymore. So there was the expectation of the fantasy. Then there was the idealism. The idealism of like, do you ever get idealistic in life when it's like, things should be this way, things should be that way. If my expectations are that things should be this way and things shouldn't be that way. Well, then you're being idealistic. In an ideal world, things will be done ideally. Whatever the problems that face you in life, there's reality and then there's idealism. And then there's fantasy is what I'm trying to say, right? So that's where a lot of my problems were coming from was like, I was looking at all the shit around me and I was getting a little idealistic. I was like, hmm, like... I want things to go this way. I want things to go that way. And they should. In an ideal world, they should. I mean, it would make sense that if you're working as a janitor, you just do your job and nobody says anything. Well, that's not how it is. <laughs> a lot of times people got their opinions and they want to say this and they want to say that and blah, 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 and yada, yada, babbling, right? So that's the reality. We don't live in an ideal world. Like, sometimes you really got to focus. Focus past all that shit and see reality. So, what I'm trying to say to sum it up on this point there's the fantasy world. There's the fantasy of whatever it is. You're escaping through alcohol. You're escaping through video games. You're escaping through television. You're escaping through food. You're escaping through sex. Whatever it is, there's the fantasy. 
Then there's the idealism. In an ideal world, this need gets met, and that need gets met, and my way, and my way, and my way. It's always my way in an ideal world. And then there's reality. The reality of what is the situation? What are the realities of the situation? What are the realities of the interactions I have with others? So that's what got me thinking this week during my little depression. Lying in bed just like Brian Wilson did. Now I'm lying in bed just like Brian Wilson did. I always mention that. Um, Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys, apparently um, somewhere after one of his landmark albums, Pet Sounds. This is a part of rock and roll history. I'm not really a Beach Boys fan. They had some good songs, but anyways, they're, they're up there in the rock and roll history. And uh, Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys, somewhere after, I think, one of their albums, I think it was Pet Sounds. That was like their big critically acclaimed album. He went into some depression where he just laid in bed for like months on end. And everybody knew about it. It was kind of widely publicized. And the Bare Naked Ladies had that song. Lying in bed just like Brian Wilson did. Now I'm lying in bed just like Brian Wilson did. So I was lying in bed this fucking week, a little depressed and shit. I was thinking about that. You know, my expectations sometimes get locked up in fantasy idealism and in order for me to go forward I got to come to terms with the reality and that doesn't mean to just blindly accept reality you can always you know it's like fucking Ozzy Osbourne said master of reality Black Sabbath like you gotta master your fucking reality basically right you can change things around you if you know, if you don't like the way this is, find a way to deal with it. Not through fantasy, not through idealism, but through reality. Master that fucking reality. And, you know, that's what I've been working through this week. What I've been thinking about. Because it's important. <laughs> I mean, you know, think about it. It's, it's important. It's, it's your reality. It's your life, right? It's my life. And uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta think about these things from time to time. And um, I'm glad I had that time to think. You know what I mean? Because sometimes I do take it for granted. I take it for granted that you know, like you you know, you take a day for granted. Like I said, I mean, my standard is high. My standard is high in this day and age where it's like, you know, I want to make the most out of every day. And I encourage anybody to, you know, just make the most of your day. Make the most of your time. And you take it for granted sometimes. And you put your thoughts too much into other people. You know, to go back to something else I was saying. You know, I sometimes I pay too much attention to negativity. Too much attention to what the other person's doing. And I realize that. Like, sometimes it's something as simple as that. It's like, don't be negative. Well, duh. Right? Like, anybody will tell you that. But what does it mean to not be negative? Not being negative means 
in my definition, in my generality, it's you got to accept a certain amount of negativity. Like it's the reality of life. You see something negative, you can only you can't deny it's there. Somebody says something to you, hey, fucking idiot, hey, you stupid idiot. Like you realize it's negative. You can't just ignore negativity, but you don't have to engage in it. You can, you can limit the amount of attention you put on a negative situation. And that's what I'm learning to do. And I'm only focusing on things that are positive, that can help me, you know? And uh, through that, through that discipline, because it's a discipline, man. I'm, I'm the kind of person where it's like, I'm like anybody. I'm a human being, you know. I'm susceptible to jealousy, anger, pity, all those negative things, emotions, right? Um, you know, I, I can look at my career and the people around me and my present reality and like, you know, my present job and my career goals, and, and I can get negative, right? And not trying to do that. Not trying to put any energy or thought into that negativity. It's pointless. So what I'd rather do is just focus on solutions and focus on the things that can help me rather than weigh me down, you know? And... uh it's very important. So, um, just want to wrap it up on that. The idea of um, wrap up that thought on that. The idea of focusing your attention for positivity. Focus your attention for positivity. That's what I got to remind myself, and that's what I encourage people to do. Focus your attention for positivity. Because the negative will always be there. The negative will always be there. Knock it on the door. Hi there, stupid. Uh, I want to ruin your life. Are you home? Fucko. Hey, shithead. Open the door. It's me, negativity. I got something stupid to tell you. Hey, guess what? You're stupid. Negativity never helps. So you got to focus your attention on positivity. And when it comes to the bigger picture, it's important for me and I guess I'm encouraging to other people too. It's important for me to realize where are my expectations rooted in? Where's my expectation rooted in? Is it rooted in fantasy, idealism, or reality? And reality is malleable. You can change your reality. If you don't like something that's going on in your life, you can change it. But, you know, you also have to be you have to have a realistic goal. You have to have a realistic step, steps of action, right? So, yeah. Focusing on positivity and um, being aware of your fantasy, idol, idealism, and reality. There you have it. Maybe Oprah will hire me. You think I could work for Oprah? She'd, she'd probably love to have me. All right, my next guest is this burnt-out alcoholic hack. Um, he's got a podcast, Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. Please welcome Jonathan. Hi, Oprah. How are you? So, Jonathan, tell me about yourself. Well, I'm a washed-up hack 
whiner, complainer, crybaby. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, um, what do we got here for time? Yeah. Um, sure. Got a couple things I could talk about here before I get out of here. Um, just a couple quick news articles. Food for thought to spark discussion. If you have any um, discussion you want to have with me, hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Um, I'm an open door. If you want to talk, want to send me some bullshit, go ahead, do it. Um, this here is a little article on um, some mental health issues in Ontario. Um, it's kind of frightening stuff. Check this out. So this is from the Saturday, July 20th, 2019 edition of the Globe and Mail. This article was written by Carly Weeks. Mental health patient was not deemed flight risk. Chair of Ontario Review Board says man found not criminally responsible for 2016 killing who fled Cam H could have used a false identity to fly out of the country. The chair of the Ontario Review Board says that because missing patient Zibin Kong was not deemed a flight risk, it doesn't appear his passport was seized. But Justice Richard Schneider said Mr. Kong did not have permission to leave the greater Toronto area and that if he returns to Canada, he can be arrested and brought back to Toronto Centre for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. That's the acronym. He can be arrested and brought back to Toronto Centre for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. Earlier this week, police revealed Mr. Kong, a CAMH patient, was found not criminally responsible, NCR, not criminally responsible for murder in 2016, went missing from the facility while on an unsupervised day pass on July 3rd and boarded an international flight the same day. Justice Schneider, who oversees the Ontario Review Board, ORB, Ontario Review Board, an independent tribunal that sets supervision parameters for people found not criminally responsible for offenses, said ORB decisions pertaining to Mr. Kong's case do not indicate he was a flight risk. He was allowed to leave CAMH on unsupervised day passes numerous times, with no incidents in the months leading up to his flight from Canada. It's not known what travel documents Mr. Kong used to leave the country. While Mr. Kong may have access to his own passport, Justice Schneider said it's also possible he fled the country under a false identity. In general, NCR patients can have access to travel documents as well as driver's license, money, computers, and phones. But if their behavior poses a risk, such, a dangerous, such as dangerous driving or making plans to leave town, their documents can be seized, Justice Schneider said. We don't just take stuff from people for no good reason. That's a quote from Justice Schneider at the end there. We don't just take stuff from people for no good reason. Yeah, like murder. So fuck, man, like some mental patient from a mental hospital who was convicted of, well, not convicted, but um, uh, detained for murdering his roommate in 2016. The man took a meat cleaver and chopped his fucking um, roommate up. But he was found NCR, 
non-criminally responsible because he's schizophrenic. So um, he was, you know, found non-criminally responsible. They had him remanded to a mental facility, mental health facility, CAMH. And he would leave the facility from time to time on unsupervised day passes. Yeah, yeah, they would just let a known killer with mental health issues um, leave on unsupervised day passes. And eventually he um, had the wherewithal to board a plane and flee the country. So yeah, there's a mental patient out on the lam, a Mr. Zeben Kong. So who fucking knows where he is at the moment? Uh, maybe there's some new information leading up to this, actually. I should have checked. <laughs> this is from Saturday's paper, so today is uh, Tuesday. But um, yeah, regardless, that's the state, the state of the uh, situation. Like, um, we got these really lax laws around uh, I don't know what you would call it like like for example Premier Doug Ford that's the Premier of Ontario he made a comment he made a comment to effect of and now I'm quoting from the article again Ontario Premier Doug Ford said during a radio interview on Thursday that people like Mr. Kong should be locked up forever, and he questioned why some NCR patients are allowed out of mental health facilities. Yeah, no shit. No shit. Like, I don't always agree with every political spectrum. I, you know, I have multiple beliefs and whatever. But when people say things that make sense, they make sense. And it's like, yeah, people like that should be locked up. Indefinitely. And I don't give a fuck about NCR bullshit. Of course he was criminally responsible. If you kill somebody, you're, kim- you're criminally responsible. I don't care if you have schizophrenia. I don't care if you're like myself, lying in bed just like Brian Wilson did. Depressed because your career is not taking off the way you thought it would. Or whatever the fuck your problem is. You're in a bad mood. Your wife hates you. Your kids hate you. Your job sucks. Whatever your fucking problem is. If you've, or you're, you're schizophrenic or whatever the fuck. If you kill somebody... Yo, that's your ass. Bye. Bye. You've just proven that society no longer needs you. There's no better proof that society does not need you than becoming a murderer. That's the best proof. Oh, you killed somebody. Oh, great. That's what we need. More of you. So this fucking idiot should have been locked up with the key thrown away. And instead, he's been let out on day passes numerous times. Unsupervised, by the way. So yeah, you could be sitting right across from some killer, basically, and that's what happened. And this fucking idiot fled the country, and it's strange to know what to make of it, because they crack down on the dumbest issues in life sometimes. There's such strict and stringent laws around the dumbest of things, and yet the most common sense thing, like, oh, okay, this guy's a murderer. Well, was he criminally insane, or wasn't he an NCR, blah, 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 yo, Enough with the bureaucracy. Call it what it is. He's a murderer. I think I've made my point. I think he made the point, and then nobody's been paying attention, but he made the point. He's a killer. I mean, he made that point when he chopped up his fucking roommate in 2016. When Mr. Zeben Kong took a meat cleaver and chopped up his fucking 
roommate in 2016, he made that point. He made the point that perhaps we don't need him in society. But hey, he's schizophrenic. Whatever the fuck that means. <clears throat> um, what else? Doodly doo. Couple things in the paper here. Uh, oh yes, this is a sad one. This is also from um, Saturday, July twentieth, twenty nineteen edition. Anime fans lay flowers, pay respects at Japanese studio ravaged by deadly fire. Japanese animation fans gather at a site of the country's worst mass killing in 18 years on Friday, laying flowers and offering prayers for the 33 people killed in an arson attack on an animation studio. A man on Thursday shouted, Die! and that he had been plagiarized before pouring what appeared to be petrol in the three-story studio of Kyoto Animation and setting it ablaze. On Friday, mourners gathered in the rain at the edge of a police-cordoned area around the charred building. So that's from the Saturday, July 20th, 2019, Globe and Mail. Article by Tim Kelly. That's just a little snippet from the article. Yeah. Some fucking bonkers fucking killer in um, Kyoto, Japan. Kyoto. Set a building on fire, killing 33 people. An animation studio. Animation studio for anime. You know, these cartoon geeks, right? These fucking comic book nerds. They didn't deserve that. 33 people died. Yeah. Yeah, my heart and prayers are out for those people, man. What a horrible way to die. By fire? Hopefully they went out by, like, smoke intoxication, right? But... And these are the type of people that, you know, these are obviously two different countries, right? Canada, Japan. But, you know, this person screams out, die, you plagiarized me, and lights a building on fire, killing 33 people. And then people are going to debate, was he criminally insane? Was he criminally responsible? Was he not? I don't know how the Japanese law system uh, is set up. But certain things are just blatant. Fuck him, he killed them. Throw him away. Lock him up and just lock him up. And I'm getting ahead of myself. Like I said, two different countries, two different law systems. Who knows what's going to happen? But um, And they do have a suspect in custody. Uh, so, hey, my hearts and prayers are with those people, man. That's tough. And, uh, now that I've depressed everybody, <laughs> here's another depressing article. Total deaths, total deaths of right whales in Canadian waters this year increases to eight. <coughs> That's the sound of a whale. The poor whales. Moncton. Two more dead North Atlantic right whales have been spotted off the East Coast, bringing to eight 
The number of the endangered whales to die this year in Canadian waters, federal officials said on Friday. One of the dead whales was first observed on Thursday by an aerial surveillance flight drifting west of the Ile de la Madeleine, some French fucking word, Ile de la Madeleine in the Gulf of St. Lawrence. The Department of Fisheries and Oceans, DFO, said in a news release. It was located on Friday by a vessel in the area, and a necropsy and a necropsy is scheduled to take place on Sunday. Also on Friday, the body of a second dead right whale was sighted off Glace Bay, Nova Scotia, according to the DFO. The whale was originally reported on June 24th by a fisherman, but fisheries vessels could not find it to confirm it was North Atlantic right whale that it was a North Atlantic right whale. The exact date, location, and cause of the whale's deaths is not known. It is believed the population of the endangered species currently stands around 400 animals. Neither of these whales have yet been individually identified, the DFO said in a news release adding to the government. Adding the government takes this issue very seriously. Yeah, yeah, you know, global warming, climate change, um, you know, uh, these crazy weathers we're having lately, crazy summer, crazy climate change, all that shit, greenhouse gases, carbon taxes, the environment, it's an issue, folks, it's a folks, folks out there, it's an issue, um, these whales aren't dying for no fucking reason. You know, it's uh, time we start fucking paying more attention to the environment. And that's something going forward in, um, at least in the, in the world stage. People are talking a lot about environmental causes. I always talk about it. Uh, I'll let the article speak for itself and I won't harp too much about it. I'm happy that some of the things that we're doing here in Canada going into the future is the um, one-time-use plastics disposable ban. So going forward into 2020 or 2021, somewhere in the near future, we're trying to get rid of the idea of one-use plastics. Things like uh, coffee cup lids, takeout containers, shit like that. Um, plastic grocery bags, things like that. Um, the carbon tax, twenty ton, twenty dollars per ton of carbon emissions. Carbon tax. That's going to be great for industry. It's going to keep industry accountable. Some people criticize carbon tax. Well, there's that's the only way to keep industry accountable. That's what industry cares about: money. So in order to keep them accountable, you got to tax them. Hey, buddy, pay attention to your carbon emissions or you're going to have to pay for it. It'll affect your bottom end, what you really care about, money, because you don't care about the environment. So we'll hit you where what you do care about, money. So, hey, it makes the world a beautiful place. It continues to make the world a beautiful place, you know? The world is a beautiful place and we can't destroy it. You know? God's not happy with that. You think God wants to see the dead whales 
fucking washing up on a shore. Puts all his time and effort into creating a whale and then we just kill it because we want to eat fucking Taco Bell and throw it in the ocean. Come on now. It's not very nice. And, uh, yeah. I think that's going to do it for the podcast this week, ladies and gentlemen. A little bit of accountability on this podcast. Um, it's early in the morning here. <laughs> 5.46 a.m. And, uh, I'm just very happy that very happy that I'm out of my little bit of a funk that I've been in, focused on um, being positive, being aware of my fantasies, my ideal, my idealism, and my reality, being very focused of the whales, and focused on ketchup, oddly enough. Um, going back to like 2018, there was like a little riff between Canada and U.S. with, like, trading tariffs, trading sanctions. Um, Donald Trump, President Trump, put, like, a trading tariff or a sanction on Canadian steel. So they would no longer accept um, Canadian steel or, like, they marked up the price on, the trading price on Canadian steel which was fucking with the Canadian steel industry, apparently. And um, there was this whole fucking back-and-forth bullshit. One thing Canada did to um, fight that was, we're no longer buying Heinz ketchup. Do you guys remember that? As a pushback, Canada stopped buying Heinz ketchup, and they started promoting their own ketchup, um, like uh, Franz or Franz ketchup or whatever. It's all right. I mean, Heinz is better, but... (laughs) But I don't know, they started pr- 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 promoting this this Franz ketchup. So I was buying a bottle of ketchup at the fucking grocery store the other day. It was a bottle of Franz ketchup. And so I have my, or Franks or Franz, I don't even know what it's called. But it's Canadian-made ketchup in protest to Donald Trump. I think it's all cleared up now. Who fucking knows? He's always bellyaching about something. I, I really don't know where our relationship I don't know what our relationship is with fucking Trump. You know, he's always trying to bully poor Justin. He's always picking on poor Justin, making fun of him and shit, calling him a wet rag. Like, just, you know, so he's just a fucking bully, picking on poor Justin. But I I really don't know what's going on. I'm just trying to do my part. I'm buying Canadian ketchup. So there I am, standing at the grocery store. I got a fucking bottle of fucking Canadian ketchup. It's on the fucking grocery belt. Then this fucking bonehead in front of me in the lineup goes, That's some good ketchup. Yep. 100% 100% made Canadian ketchup. And he picks up my bottle of ketchup and he starts patting it. Yep, that's some good ketchup. And he's, he's rubbing his grubby hands all over my bottle of ketchup. I'm like, yo, that's my ketchup, bro. That's not the Canadian government's ketchup. That's my fucking bottle of ketchup. Get your fucking hands off my ketchup. I got to take that home to my family, right? Well, just myself. But you know what I mean? So he's got his grubby hands all over my bottle of ketchup. That's some good ketchup. Then it just like sparks this fucking conversation. Everybody in the lineup's like, what ketchup? What's the best ketchup? Did somebody say ketchup? Who likes ketchup? Canadian ketchup? I love ketchup. All these fucking idiots at fucking No Frills start talking about ketchup. They've got their grubby paws all over my fucking bottle of ketchup. Mmm, that's some good ketchup. I'm going to go home and kill myself. Catch up. It's your old chuckle buddy, guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent July 23rd in the year of our Lord, 20 
19. Far from killing myself, I'm fucking enthralled to be alive, ladies and gentlemen. Back and invigorated from my little rest, you know? Talking about things like positivity, idealism, reality, fantasy. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. What do you think on these subjects? What do you think about the right whales? What do you think about that fucking Japanese animation studio getting burned to the ground and that killer? What do you think about um, mental health patients going on day trips after they killed their neighbor? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, you live it, you love it, you realize it. All right? I like mine with ketchup. Peace. Ha, 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 ha.